Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. To hire drivers, you've got to work fast and smart. Did you know Driver Pulse, a driver facing mobile app from 10th Street, is two to three times more effective than texting and four to five times more effective than email at getting drivers to respond? Driver Pulse is the largest source of free driver applications in trucking, downloaded by almost two million drivers to find jobs, complete training, and communicate with carriers. Companies find who they're looking for, and drivers find their homes with Driver Pulse from 10th Street, a name you trust. That's 10street.com, T-E-N-street.com. Welcome back to another edition of Chat Call. Today we are covering the August market update. Don't forget to subscribe to Tech Call the Newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Today, we are joined once again by David Spencer, the Vice President of Market Intelligence at Arrive Logistics. Welcome back, David. It's been a month or so since we have seen you. How has your summer been? It's great to be back. My summer has gone really well. It's been uh, brutally hot down here in Texas, but, you know, we're learning how to deal with that. It's uh, it's been It's been miserable. It's like so humid. You can like chew through the air and it's just it's horrible. I'm very ready for this part of summer to be over. Um, but aside from that, other things that we want to be over is this, uh, you know, down trucking market. Everybody has been asking, well, when is it going to flip? When are we going to see the volumes return? And, um, you know, we've seen some indications that indicate that we might have some return to normalcy, some normal seasonal demand. Is that something that you guys have seen as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly from the, um, you know, the, the, the spot market volatility side of things, we're seeing uh, the pockets you'd expect to see heat up uh, when you'd expect to see them heat up. You mentioned how the summer go, I think. Um, the summer went really largely as expected from a freight perspective. We saw uh, the Southeast really, you know, see some seasonal tightness. And then, you know, as we got closer to August and, and even in the early part of August, we saw that, you know, really that, that seasonal produce season move up into the Midwest, you know, we saw that tightness, especially on the refrigerated side of things, move as well. So, um, you know, not calling the freight market predictable, but we're seeing predictable type of behaviors uh, from the freight market and, and um, you know, predictable challenges from a capacity standpoint as well. I, uh, the freight market is not predictable, but it is it fall. It's cyclical. That's a better word. I think cyclical. It'll follow the same kind of patterns um, while the day to day might be a little um, insane. Uh, it's it's just it's it's very cyclical and i it kind of makes me happy that we're starting to see this return to normalcy or this um predictability of like okay well i can expect that you know in the late summer where we are right now we're going to see that increase in reefer demand we're still going to see that produce harvest we're still going to see those produce loads coming in um and i'm sure here in a month or so we'll start seeing flatbed capacity increase as uh, we enter hurricane season in the southeast which is not great and that's not like that's not the volume i want to see return because that means that there's a lot of de- destruction um but unfortunately it is just the nature of that time of the year yeah you know hurricanes now are starting to hit on the west coast too so uh, who knows where these 
where these hurricanes are going to be. But yeah, certainly as we get into into September, um, you know, you see the, you know, you talk about the cyclical nature of the freight market on an annual basis, that period between Labor Day and the end of the third quarter, um, you see a little bit of tightness. So, I mean, that's certainly the next period where we expect uh, some of that to be, you know, some of that could be as a result of, like you said, hurricane season and and hopefully not storms hitting, um, you know, the southeast coast or Gulf Coast, but uh, certainly a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I would prefer that the flatbed market increase because there's like new housing or construction, but, you know, hurricane season works too. Um, but one of the things that we've seen pretty much for most of the year is we've seen, you know, rejections in the in one percent in some markets, which is insane, but then also like all the way up to three percent. So, you know, you've got 90, you've got 96, 97 percent of carriers accepting all the loads that's tendered to them. But now we're starting to see those rejections creep up to, you know, a national average of about four percent. And so I think one of the trends that we've seen is now that that uh, the rejections have increased, but spot rates haven't necessarily increased in the likely manner, um, because I think at least what I've seen is that the first carrier gets like they reject it, but that second, third carrier that's like on that routing guide might be getting more volumes. Do you think that's something that we can expect to see kind of heading into the rest of the third quarter? Yeah, certainly, right? I think, um, you know, it, it was an adventure finding the spot rate floor, I guess, so to speak. And and certainly there was a lot of carriers, uh, participants in the industry looking to capture volume that, that, that might have... Um, you know, got a little out ahead of their skis a little bit, right? And and they're finding challenges with, with either keeping up with um, the demand or, you know, the the profitability perspective, especially now that we've seen fuel increase, right? Um, fuel cost increase. So um, certainly seeing a little bit more sensitivity to, to spot market volatility on the routing guide side, right? So when you see regionally, um, you know, some, some demand surge or some increase in rejections for some reason, uh, increased spot rate, uh, shipper routing guides are going to feel a little bit of a bump as a result. But, you know, you mentioned, right, where, where they're at, right? It's important to keep that perspective in place. And, and certainly 4% is, is, is not as good as, you know, 2% from a shipper perspective. But, um, you know, really till we get to like eight, nine, 10% is when you start to see true routing guide disruption and, and really from a sustained perspective. So, up until, you know, then I, I think it's just sort of shipper beware. We're we're not in the same sort of, you know, dead market we were, but we're not quite out of the woods yet. It feels like, you know, during the pandemic, you know, the, sh- the carriers held all that pricing power. And then uh, when the market flipped, the shippers were holding it. And now I feel like it's kind of almost uh, an equilibrium of sorts where it's like the shippers, you know, they know that okay, well, you know, there is some volume returning to the market. So I have to, you know, have competitive rates and, you know, not have super long load times and pay on time. And carriers also, you know, they're not going to they're not going to put up with any more tomfoolery. They're like, you know, I, there is some demand out there that I can go participate in. And now I think it's really kind of that come together of like, okay, well, we're kind of more on that balance out and more even keeled. So Let's go ahead and start fresh and hopefully finish out the year strong. Yeah, it's it it's a point of um, you know changing strategy for a lot of the participants in the market. Right, shippers are aware that um, you know a lot of a lot of speculators are looking at potential disruption mid year next year. And if you're if you're you know putting year long um, RFPs out there right now, especially for for freight that's going to go live in the new year. 
Um, there's a risk associated with with um, you know continuing to chase the lowest cost provider, um, you know. And on the the flip side of that, uh, carriers and, and brokers and, and all the other participants looking to um, you know capture volume and, and bid on freight, you know, it's it's you know from that perspective, they have to be cautious about uh, what they're quoting, and, and in some cases, be okay with being number two or three on the routing guide you know, not to put themselves in a position to fail. I have uh, long since been a fan of you don't have to be the first round draft pick. Dude, sometimes you just have to be around, you know, like you're not always it's OK if you're not the first pick, because then the first pick inevitably messes up. You can just be that guy who just happens to call and just always be around. If you need anything, I'm, I'm here. And what do you know? Suddenly I need something and you're here. Um on the hunt, um, one of the things that you brought up uh, is, you know, those shippers that are always looking for those lowest cost carriers. Do you think that um, the the bankruptcy filing for yellow, do you think that will cause some shippers to maybe rethink that low cost alternative? Because there are still low cost LTL carriers out there. But, you know, it's you kind of get what you pay for sometimes with carriers. Yeah, uh, that certainly can be the case. Um, yeah. As far as what we saw happen with yellow, I think uh, you know, shipper beware, know, know who you're partnering with. And I think in a lot of cases, uh, shippers that had a lot of sensitivity around their freight, um, you know, they were able to be proactive and make adjustments and make other plans for uh, the movement of their freight. And, and certainly, you know, you pull that much capacity out of the marketplace on the LTL market in particular, you're going to see, you know, prices come up a bit, um, especially if you have that service expectation, Um you know, that that's something you're going to have to pay for right now as the market kind of moves through that disruption. Uh, we haven't seen a lot uh, a disruption from that filter over to the truckload side, though. Yeah, not at least not yet. Um, you know, and so that's at least something shippers can be be aware of. Right. Um, you know, where does it make sense to look at uh, some consolidation and, 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 you know, maybe not moving a pallet at a time uh, where that's possible? Certainly that that can be an option. That's something that I mean, with, I think I might be pretty excited to talk about UTU with the next month because by then, you know, a lot of that volume will calm down and, um, you know, people kind of worked out a plan and then, you know, you launch into bid season and all the insanity that comes with that, which um, is is not a fun time, if I'm being honest. Depends on who you are. <laughs> exactly. It could be fun. It could be some people's favorite time of the year. It was never mine. Um but back on the full truckload side of things, um, you know, we have seen that gap close between spot market rates and contracted rates. What is kind of that driving force bringing those two together? And, you know, what ends up happening when there's not that big of a spread between the spot market and the contracted freight? Does anything really important or significant happen? I think it's a great question because I think it's a really important relationship to look at. Um, you know, that being the, you know, where spot rates are at compared to where contract rates are. And, uh, certainly where spot rates are really leads where contract rates are. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, if you're a shipper looking at contract rates, um, typically what you're going to see is pricing that sort of mirrors current spot rate market um, pricing, right? So if, if spot rates are low, uh, you're going to see downward pressure on contract rates. And that's what we've seen, right? And uh, just the nature of the way that the contract market works, rates um, typically historically have gone out to bid on an annual basis. There's certainly been more frequent uh, pricing exercises on the shipper side of things, especially since the pandemic and uh, with how quickly rates have moved. But um, that's why we've seen contract rates lag. And um, now that the spot rate has really found a floor, um, you know, so to speak, found a floor leveled off, 
Uh, that's enabling contract rates to sort of catch up to where where spot rates are, right? Contract continues to fall, um, you know, and that's sort of what's driving that closing gap. And, you know, it's very similar to what we see on the tender rejection side of things. Um, you know, there's sort of a point where uh, the market becomes more vulnerable. And when you start seeing 8 to 10% rejections, um, you know, typically that's largely because you're starting to see uh, carriers see a lot of opportunities in the spot market that might be better than the opportunities that they see day to day contractually. And certainly we don't want to make any assumptions. Carriers are dropping the ball on their contractual obligations. But um, certainly if there's a lot of opportunity out there uh, for money to be made, that's that's a business decision we see a lot of carriers and participants make. I feel like when that switch happens up to when the spot market suddenly is becoming more profitable, I mean, I'm not saying you know, the 20 to 25% rejections we saw a couple of years ago. But when that switch does happen, I think that um, it will happen quickly because for so long, you know, over the past couple, like the past year, carriers have been, you know, struggling to kind of keep um, keep the cash flow positive in certain areas, especially those that focus primarily on the spot market. Um, I think that when that switch happens, it's going to happen fast and it's going to, I want to say, almost catch everyone off, off guard, but maybe not, you know? Maybe not. Well, I think it depends on what type of catalyst event we look at, right? I mean, the the event that could that it could be it could be a typical seasonal pattern, right? It could be okay. Now we're into uh, produce season next year, and um, you know that could be enough of a demand disruption as, as capacity has sort of gotten balanced and becomes more sensitive to to demand fluctuations, where you could see that, right? And that's sort of our base case is. Um, you know, largely because we can't really forecast a category five hurricane hitting or, or something to that degree, right? We're not necessarily in the business of forecasting, uh, black swan type events. However, I think, uh, really looking at when the market is vulnerable to disruption from one of those events, um, you know, and, and we're going to place a lot of probability around one of these seasonal demand, uh, you know, fluctuations being the cause of that disruption next year, simply because, you know that that's an area where we know we expect that 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 change to happen. Um, you know we can't really count on uh, an act of God. Yeah, it's that, but for that's that's that return to cyclical nature that freight loves. Um, because honestly, I don't think anyone wants to be that one that says, "Oh yeah, there's going to be another pandemic, or there's going to be a natural hur- or hurricane or natural disaster that like injures millions of people." Like nobody really wants to be that guy that says, "Oh yeah, this is going to happen," because that's that's just not fun. He's certainly not right. You know, when they say it's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. No one wants to be right. <laughs> that's not one. That's not the one where you want to be there going, told you so, because that's just, that's not it. That's not the move. It's also hard to, to make decisions off of, of events that haven't happened, right? I think um, there are certain things you can count on happening. Um, you know, uh, major disruptive type weather events, not one of them. Um, so then we've seen a lot of, you know, drivers leave the market or at least, um, you know, the FMCSA has re- revoked some authorities and there's just not as many new entrants. Do you think that's because drivers have swapped to become company drivers or no one's really getting into the trucking industry? What's kind of this driving force pushing carriers out of the market or at least letting their authority lack? Yeah, you know, it's the data is is a little bit uh, murky on exactly what's happening, right? There's certainly signs in the data that point to over the last 18 months, owner-operator capacity, deciding it wasn't worth running on their own anymore and looking to company jobs as a means to continue operating in the trucking market. Uh, we've certainly also seen poor trucking conditions in terms of 
um, the spot rate environment really not being profitable for carriers, right? It, it certainly rates have gone low enough, especially now that we're seeing pretty rapid increase in fuel fuel charges um, here over the last, uh, you know, we'll call it four to six weeks. Um, you know, that's something that can put a little bit extra stress on carrier margins. So uh, business just isn't the same profitability that it was. Um, you know, you get a lot of uh, ability for workers in this space, drivers to, to move from one industry to another. Um, that's certainly something we've seen in the past, right? So I think overall opportunity is down from where it was. Uh, the opportunity to make really good money um, kind of it subsided as sort of some of the, the pandemic trends subsided. Um, so we've seen a pullback for that nature as well. I am really curious to kind of see how that ends up shaping up for the rest of the year, um, because I know there's some proposed rules and regulations that the FMCSA is trying to, you know, get passed and get off the ground that allows for younger people to get involved in trucking and, um, you know, maybe reducing that intrastate, you know, interstate um, transportation, reducing that as well. So I'm very curious as to how that ends up shaping up and also, you know, how insurance goes, because I know a lot of insurance companies are less likely to give, you know, 18, 20 year old favorable insurance rates for their truck um, versus someone who's maybe been in the industry for 20 years and has a clean safety record. So I'm curious to kind of how that ends up shaping up throughout the rest of the year, because it it stands to be a pretty substantial thing if there's a if they lower it and a bunch of 18 year olds get in the industry, you know, it could it could it cause cause a lot of new entrants. Um, it could also, you know, help secure and make sure that, you know, drivers are spread out across the country where they are um, to at least kind of alleviate the impression that there's a driver shortage, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, we go back and forth on in terms of sort of, is there enough capacity in the road? Is there not, uh, you know, is there too much capacity on the road? And uh, is there a driver shortage? There's not a driver shortage, right? We're certainly in, in a marketplace that appears oversupplied right now. Um, you know, but one thing we know is that truck drivers are an aging workforce. And so whatever can be done to try and pull younger generation into the, the workforce um, at an age that, uh, you know, the, you know, these uh, truck drivers, uh, the new tri- new entrants, whoever they may be, um, you know, take pride in this, in this job and in, in, in providing, um, you know, safe uh, driving operations and, and, and stick with it for a long time. I think that's best for everyone and best for the industry, best for, the American consumer. So whatever we can do to attract our new younger generation to the truck driving, um, uh, you know, we'll call it profession in a way where they take pride in it. I think that that's a win for everybody. I will say much to the, my hesitation, um, I will give TikTok and social media some credit because there's been some driver accounts that almost kind of glamorize tracking. And it's kind of been like to the point where I'm like, Oh, that actually kind of looks fun. But then I remember, like being on the other end of that phone when everything goes wrong. And I'm like, but it, it, the good is good and the bad is super bad. Um, so, But I kind of like that, um, you know, there are some people out there, kind of some trucking ambassadors making it like, you know, glamorizing a little bit, making it a little more fun. Everyone looks at things a little bit differently, Mary. So one of the things that um, I am curious for, because, you know, everyone's wondering, you know, will this, will this, uh, fall, not this fall. Will this winter, will we have a traditional peak season? Will we see that retail um, number increase? So the National Retail Federation actually has said that year over year imports are declining for retail, um, but they 
still expect, you know, those import numbers to turn positive at the end of the year. And so for the most part, everything being imported in December will be sold the first half of next month because the nature of the retail cycle. Um, do you think that Christmas will save trucking and give it the volumes that it needs? Well, I think maybe not this year, right? I think that's un- uh, unfortunate from a demand perspective, right? I think you look to a year ago, one of the the first movers from a destocking perspective was was really Walmart, right? And so um, looking at their activity is probably a good gauge of where we are in the destocking process, right? And where the rest of the retailers are to follow. Um, you know, I know that you guys have recently published data uh, around, you know, increased activity inbound to Walmart um, facilities, right? And so, you know, that that could be a good sign that, hey, you know, we're starting to see uh, inventory levels come back down to norm- normal levels. Um, and as we get into next year, we're going to see more healthy, normal retail ordering patterns from, from overseas um, and drive a growth in imports just from kind of getting through this destocking phase, right? Even if consumer spending remains stable, uh, we'd expect imports to increase next year, just a result of sort of drawing down inventories. But that brings me back to your question, right? I think we still have inventory buildup, um, you know, and um, with that said, we also are looking at NRF data to look at, you know, their forecast had this month being really the peak for import season. So I think a lot of freight is going to be in position by the time we get to really that typical Q4 peak. So uh, our forecast is not calling for you know anything substantial in terms of uh, Q4 peak season. However, um, you know there from a demand side, but there's there's still sort of a capacity constraint that we've seen, especially in recent years between Christmas and sort of you know early to mid January that um, we are concerned about causing some spot market volatility pretty serious. So um, you know we do think that there is an opportunity. Uh, you know, where we would see sort of constrained supply, but more from capacity and drivers taking time off around the holidays. Okay, because I mean, if I've been a driver for the past few years and I've been working absolutely crazy, I'll I'll take a Christmas off. I'll take some time off because, you know, the beginning half of this year wasn't exactly the most profitable. And if I'm not going to end on a strong note in December, you know, I might as well take the time off, enjoy some time with my family. I feel like 2023 has just kind of been the year of like, level setting and just kind of rebalancing everything. And I'm, I'm optimistic that next year, 2024, will kind of be that return to the cyclical nature of trucking. So we, um, it's our favorite part of the show where we get to ask you a ridiculous question and, um, you know, you have delightful answers. So this one, I think it's, um, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little interesting. It's transportation related. So David Spencer, if you could have a superpower related to transportation, would you choose the ability to instantly teleport freight anywhere in the world or the power to make traffic lights green whenever you approach them? <laughs> um, I will say that, Mary, you did cut out for me briefly there. I don't know if it's mine or what. Can you repeat the fun question here? So the fun question is, if you could have a superpower related to the transportation industry, would you choose the ability to instantly teleport freight anywhere in the world or make traffic lights green whenever you approach them? So I would probably choose the ability to instantly teleport freight anywhere in the world simply because, um, you know, that would probably make our service scorecards pretty excellent. Um, you know, and then, you know, I can do whatever I want, right? It, you know, we can get around town. We can make all the lights green if, if we have that kind of power. So, um, no, I don't know. I think definitely probably the ability to transport freight uh, instantly anywhere around the world. That'd be pretty, pretty badass. 
I feel like also you would be the guy that anytime something's delayed in in the office, you would they would call you and be like, hey, you know, David, come over here. You got to get this move. Yeah, I'd have that power. Apparently, you know, just snap my fingers and freight goes anywhere. I, it's a superpower that I, I'm not sure uh, you know anyone will ever have, but it's it's magical. Sounds magical. Also, an oddly an oddly specific superpower for one very niche group of people. <laughs> so, if anyone wants to uh, you know share their superpowers with you or pick your brain about any of the freight market updates, where can they find you outside the show? Yeah, certainly. Uh, first place I direct you is ArrivalLogistics.com. You know, we have all of our insights there. So, um, you know, you want to get up to date on, on the latest stuff we're publishing uh, or we're putting out there. Um, really all free insights and guidance on the freight market. Um, that's going to be your hub. Also, my contact info is there as well. But, you know, if you want to reach out to me, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, you could probably bounce around your your past shows as well to, to find some other good content from me. But, um, yeah, uh, really, those would probably be the main places I direct direct a lot of traffic for uh, getting in touch and, and certainly willing to, to talk shop with, with anyone interested. So thanks again for the opportunity, Mary. Find Check All the Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible FreightWaves podcasts such as Tracks Through Time and Loaded and Rolling. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash Check Call. See you on the internet. Mm-hmm.